If you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5, we're going to continue to worship our great King. Uh, we're going to be looking at some of the evidence of His greatness. Mark, the, the friend of the apostles, the author of this gospel that we're looking at, told us in the first verse of the gospel that this, this whole story that he's telling, or the series of stories he's telling, is all to show us, all of his readers, I don't know if Mark himself realized that thousands of years later, uh, people were still going to be reading his gospel. Um, maybe, maybe not. But the, the fact is, he told everybody that's reading this in the first verse that this is the good news about Jesus, the Son of God. And here's who he is. And here's how we know who he is. These are what the eyewitnesses tell us. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him. While he was by the lake, one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd And touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put, put them all out, He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her 
something to eat. Great king, maker of all things, showed up in this world and did this stuff. And Mark says, I'm going to write this down so that you know the good news about Jesus, the Son of God. And we, we read this story in a story, two stories, we find out something about Jesus. Nobody else does this. Nobody else does this. Oh, God's used, God's used people to do great things. This morning in, uh, in our Bible study class, um, and by the way, if you aren't a part of one of those classes yet, let me encourage you, uh, become a part of one. What a, what a great opportunity it is to study God's Word together and have fellowship and prayer with each other. But in our class this morning, we were interrupted rudely by the next class over. Um, Karen, how old are they? Is Karen in here? No, Karen's probably still over in Kids Way. Um, they start with kindergarten. I think they go up to third grade. And Karen warned me, Karen Tomlinson warned me, that we might get an interruption in our class this morning because they were studying about Elijah and the prophets of Baal, the showdown. And all of a sudden, in the middle of our class, we hear in that other room, Ah! They were portraying the prophets of Baal, trying to get the attention of their gods. And they did it twice. It's crazy sounding. God used Elijah. You remember the story. All of Israel, it seemed, not all, but it seemed like all of Israel had turned to the worship of the Baals, the false gods of that area, instead of the living God, instead of the true God. And Elijah confronted them, confronted the king who was leading them into that false worship. He said, tell your prophets to come out here and we'll see who's God. And they brought a sacrifice and and let the, he let the prophets of Baal go first. He said, okay, we'll, we'll lay the sacrifice out here and, and you guys call on your God or gods and, and, and let them come and, uh, and, and light the sacrifice. And so that's what they did. And that's what all the yelling was about. They were trying to get their God's attention to come and to light that sacrifice and nothing, absolutely nothing happened. And it was Elijah's turn. He said, okay, first thing we're going to do, pour water on the sacrifice. We're going to make this extra hard. And they did that. They, they poured a lot of water till the whole trough around it was just filled with water. The whole thing was soaked. And then he called out to God, not with crazy yelling and screaming, but he called out to God, and God lit the fire. God does amazing things through his people. He did that that day through Elijah. And as we read the word of God, we see over and over again amazing things. Abraham, as Mark read this morning from Genesis chapter 22, and I'd invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We want to read a little bit more about that story. Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 17. And I hate to read just one little excerpt out of Hebrews 11, so I hope this sparks and spurs you on to read all of this um, sometime today or this week. 
But Hebrews chapter 11 says this in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. That's what was going on on the mountain that day in the, in the passage that Mark was reading. That's why he told the, the servants, we're going to go and we're going to worship and we're coming back. Abraham believed that God had the power to raise the dead. Because of Abraham's faith, in his statement, the faithful of Israel also believed that God had the power to raise the dead. He did it occasionally through his prophets. But when Jesus came on the scene, he is making a statement. Now there was a, another statement in that statement. On the way to raise the girl from the dead, he had mercy on a poor, suffering woman. It's hard to imagine what she had been going through over those 12 years. Starting just about the same time that little girl was born who's about to be raised from the dead. It's hard to imagine what it would have been like suffering with her ailment that would have separated her from her community because she was unclean according to the law of Moses. And so she was, she was out of her element on this particular day trying to find Jesus. But her faith was strong and she knew, she had been hearing the stories, she knew that if she got close enough and she, and she, and, and she thought she had to touch him, And so she touched his cloak, and immediately she was healed. Jesus could have just kept on going, but he stopped for a minute because this was worthy of recognition. He wasn't asking who did it because he didn't know. But he wanted her to come up and testify what had just happened. Now, this was a, a difficult thing for her. And as excited as she was she was about what had just happened, remember, she was unclean. She wasn't supposed to be that close to everybody. This was, a, this was a scary thing that she was doing, but knowing what he had done for her and knowing that she was busted. She thought she could just nonchalantly pull this off and sneak away. She came and said, I I just knew if I touched the cloak, I'd be healed. And what did he say? Did you hear what he said? Did you hear the first thing that he said to her? Daughter. Daughter. You're in my family now. Not because you're healed, but because you believe in me. Remember what John said? So many people rejected him. But to those who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Daughter, you're my daughter now. Because you believe. 
oh, she was going to enjoy life a lot more now too because she wasn't bleeding anymore. And she wasn't cut off from her people anymore. But you know the best thing that happened that day? Wasn't her healing. She became a daughter. She became the daughter of the king, of the almighty king that we're singing to this morning because he's still the king. And he's still making daughters. Sons too, fellas. Because if we believe in him, that's what happens. We become his children. Now the question arises and and has been raised on these situations because these are two stories of the exercise of great faith. Really three as we include Abraham. Why doesn't he always do this? And I want to tell you something. He does. He doesn't always do it just like this, but he always does this. Every single person who believes in him, whether they're healed physically or not, when they believe, they become a son or daughter of God, of the Almighty King, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one that Mark's explaining to us through telling us these stories. Every single one. And you know, if this woman hadn't been healed, Jesus still would have known of her faith, of her touching her cloak, and she would have still been his daughter. Just as Job's wife was still his daughter, even though she went through some tough stuff. Real tough stuff. She didn't always handle it just exactly right. Hardly anybody handles all their tough stuff just exactly right. But she was still a daughter. And she would still stand next to this woman whose name we don't know, this other daughter. She would stand next to her right now and and agree with her that God is good even in allowing us to go through 12 years of bleeding or having children die and fortunes lost and health taken from us. God is still good that by faith he makes us his daughters because those two women know the value of being the daughter of God, having been now in his presence, in one case over 2,000 years and another 3,000. They know the value of of being the daughter is higher than the value of being healed from bleeding or having God take away our problems. And that's the ultimate thing that God does with the power that he has of bringing the dead to life, making us the children of God. Jairus was no suspected believer here. You know, Jesus was opposed by almost all the leaders of synagogues around the area, this, this being in Galilee. He, he wasn't friends to these guys. These guys were afraid of him. These guys were threatened by him. So Jairus is an, un, you know, an unusual person to come and make this request. But his daughter was sick. He'd been hearing the stories. He may have been in a meeting where he saw some of this healing take place. Maybe how he knew to ask specifically that you would come, Jesus, and 
put your hands on her because he'd maybe seen that before. And now he needed it. His daughter needed it. Whether he believed in Jesus before or not, now he does. It wasn't easy to keep going with Jesus after the servants came and said, she's gone now, it's too late. It wasn't an easy thing for him. He just, he just heard the word that his daughter was gone. But he kept on. And Jesus, you notice this, he's, Mark was very specific. Jesus thinned out the crowd who was going to go and, and witness this. It's a very important crowd that he thinned them down to. Because these guys who he allowed to come in there, they were eventually going to be writing this stuff for us. He was giving them this perfect, wonderful opportunity to be eyewitnesses of this amazing miracle. Of this great, great statement. She's not dead, she's asleep. And sleep is, a, is a, an image, is an analogy of, of death, often in the scripture. And it's a good one because our physical death is a temporary situation like sleep. Because there is a resurrection coming. And everyone who believes is going to be resurrected into the presence of God. And everybody who doesn't believe is going to be resurrected into a separation from God for all eternity into what can be described as an eternal death. And it's a serious thing. And that's why he came to do what he was doing, because he was making the offer through these great events that are being recorded, that are being witnessed and then recorded so that all the world, not just that world, but all the world can see who he is because he's still raising people from the dead. Not just in the amazing cases where he raises dead people physically, but all the cases. Whereas the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we live by faith, not by sight. And he says, when we're absent from this body through death, we are present with the Lord because he resurrects the dead. This is important for us to grapple with. This is important for us to think about. This is important for us to celebrate. These stories were given for this purpose, that we would recognize who Jesus is and that he's worthy of what we're doing here this morning. You know, of all the great miracles that God has done, Getting a couple of people, a couple hundred people of, uh, from uh, the United States of America to get together to do what we're doing right now on a Sunday morning is a miracle. And why are we doing this? Why? Because we believe this. Because we believe that he healed this woman when she touched the, his cloak. Because we believe that he raised this little girl from the dead. Because we believe that he did all these other things that we're going to keep reading about and studying and talking about in the Gospel of Mark, the good news about Jesus, the Son of God. We believe this. And since these things are true, what we're doing here this morning is valuable, is worthwhile. 
It's worth it. Oh, we gave up some pretty great opportunities. But nothing can beat what we're doing. Nothing can beat us recognizing, stopping and recognizing as we were doing in song for, for, for a while this morning. Stopping and realizing that we who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we possess in our bodies the Holy Spirit of God. And we can meet with him because of that. We can meet with him and we can worship him. We can sing to him. We can speak to him. We can pray to him. We can praise him. We can serve him. We believe that. And we gather together on these Sunday mornings, on this day of resurrection, because remember, Sundays are all about resurrection. That's why we're not meeting on Saturday as the, as the Jewish people did or, and still do. The day of rest, because God rested from his work on the seventh day. We meet together on the first day because God raised his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, from the dead on the first day of the week. And so we celebrate today because he raises the dead. Jesus rose and so will every single person who believes in him. The little girl, she was raised, but since then, she's also passed away again. And when the Lord Jesus returns, she's going to be reunited with her reconstructed body And she's going to rise in the air to meet him with all those who are still alive. Because together with the dead in Christ, we will meet the Lord in the air. And we will be with him forever. This, this, these stories, I can't say this story because again, this is that double whammy one. Sorry about that. Is there a word for double whammy? (laughs) Okay. Okay. I didn't, I didn't warn her I was going to use that phrase today. Isn't this a great, great story to encourage us to believe, to trust him with our lives, to know that whatever else happens, and a lot of stuff happens, whatever else happens, one thing is sure, we're going to rise. We are going to rise. We are going to be resurrected with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. And that is something to look forward to. And that is something that you can be sure of for yourself. And some people think, how can you be sure of that? How can you be sure that you'll ever be good enough to be able to do that? The point is that we're sure that we're not good enough to be able to do that. That is the point. Did this woman deserve her healing? Did The little girl deserved that healing? No. They were sinners. Even a 12-year-old girl. Some of you have had 12-year-old girls and have them now. Those those 12-year-old girls can sin. A lot. Like everybody else. They didn't deserve this act of mercy that God gave them, but by his grace, his gift. This is undeserved favor that we receive from God. 
by his grace and mercy, he did that work in their lives to demonstrate to the people around, to demonstrate to his apostles who are going to be telling the story, to demonstrate to all of us who are going to read the story that he is the Lord of life and he gives life to those who believe. And so the question for some today is, do I believe? And if not, why not? Why would I not believe in this son of God that Mark is writing about? And that's a great question. Deal with that. Read this and understand that Jesus is worthy of your faith. What he came and did, and and remember, the accounts that we have here are accurate. This This is old stuff that we're reading here. But there's never been a book in the history of the world that has been more verifiable than what we're holding in our hands or seeing on the screen or holding in our phones or whatever device you have with you. It's the best that's ever been when it comes to reliability. It's never, nothing has ever been scrutinized like this book. And we can believe what's written here. These things happened. Lots of people died. The, the, the eyewitnesses, for example. This, is, this was part of the story that they, that they witnessed, part of their experience that they witnessed, that eventually they went to their very death validating these stories, validating the facts of Jesus' life, his testimony. That's, John says in the Revelation when, he, when, when the Lord was revealing himself, he testified that he was in exile because of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Because he kept telling Jesus' story. That's why he was sent into exile. That's why he suffered as he did and died probably in that exile. These men who saw these things died for the facts. This is a, this is a trustworthy statement. Dig into it. Read it. And I would encourage you, don't wait too long. We don't know what's around the corner for any of us. And it'd be so great if you took advantage of the opportunity that God has given you today to hear these things and to put your trust in Jesus. Believe in him like Jairus did, like this woman did. Believe in him. You're not worthy to be forgiven. You're not worthy to be healed. You're not worthy of the eternal life that he promises to give. But he will give it to you because of his love and his mercy. He will forgive you of everything that you've ever done. And he knows it all. Nothing is hidden from his sight. And he will forgive you of everything because he died for you. That's why he did it. He knew the severity of your sin. And he died for you not after you started going to church not after you tried cleaning up your life he died for you according to romans 5 8 while you were still sinners while we were still sinners don't wait put your trust in him and if you've been wavering in your faith because tough stuff has been coming your way And you've been wondering how God could allow that. Keep believing. Keep believing. 
Jairus had to, had to stay with him that, that next little walk to his house. He had to stay with him. Stay with him. Keep believing. Trust him. Trust him to bring you through whatever it is you're facing, knowing that when it's over, you will be with him. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for the amazing gift of being your sons and daughters. What a merciful and gracious Savior you are. That you would look to this woman who is separated from you by sin, by suffering and sorrow and grief and shame. And because you knew of her faith, you said, Daughter, we thank you, Father, that you've given us that same faith to believe in your Son, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you call us your sons and daughters today and that we will be called that for all eternity. Give those who are, who are grappling with these things now, with, the, with who Jesus is and whether he's worthy to, be, to put your trust and faith into, Father, give them the help that they need to believe. Encourage their hearts to put their trust in Jesus. Give them the courage and the, and the faith. And Father, those of us who are wavering, give us the faith to continue to trust you, to continue to believe in you, to continue to serve you because you are worthy of all of our faith, of all of our belief, of all of our service. Help us to remember what you've done for us. And that it's a sure thing. It's not maybe, it's not if, but it's sure because of what Jesus has done for us. May we glorify you in all that we do. Telling your story. The, the things that you did in your word, but also the things that you do in our lives. We thank you for being the loving, amazing God that you proved yourself to be on this day in Galilee. And we pray it in Jesus' name, our Savior, our Lord. Amen.